1: What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Awesome-O NBA Strategy Show on this beautiful Tuesday morning. It's September 22nd, 2020, and we've got a one-game single showdown slate. The L.A. Lakers, the Denver Nuggets, down in a hole, 0-2, looking to climb their way out as they've done in back-to-back series. I'm Dave Lachran With me, Adam Scher. Adam, we've, uh, well, we had the Lakers play Denver on Sunday. Anthony Davis. Hit the game winning three with Mason Plumlee looking like he was a glitch in an NBA 2K uh, 2K game. And here we are, game three. Uh, It it looks like the Lakers have firm control of this one.
0: Yeah. uh, Series that I I did the show with Josh before game one. And I kind of just, you know, had spent two seconds thinking about the series. It was, oh, it should be a pretty good series. And then as we talked through it, it was just like, man, I don't know how Denver competes here. So, you know, I, I think that obviously losing game two that way is a huge deal probably pretty much wraps up the series um so yeah i mean just probably a uh, coasting from here on out for the lakers
1: you would think so but i won't count them out just yet i won't count them out just yet because two times in a row they've come back from a 3-1 deficit uh humiliating the clippers in that one so Anything can happen, man. Anything is possible. I've made some decent money betting this Nuggets team, too, because they just they they are never given the benefit of the doubt. And I, I guess for good reason. The money's going to keep coming in on the Lakers. But from a DFS standpoint, we got a lot to talk about. Last game, your starting lineup was uh, LeBron James, Contavious Caldwell Pope, Danny Green, Anthony Davis and JaVale McGee. We can kick it off with the top priced guys here, and then we'll work our way over to the Nuggets and wrap this one up. It should be a short one. We'll get you guys in and out, and then be sure to come back for uh, 11 o'clock. We've got the NBA or the NFL Strategy Show first look. Very excited about that every week. It's, my, it's one of my favorite shows of the week to, to sit down and take a good look at the slate, a preliminary, cursory look. You guys can all join us as we do that. Really, I'm diving in on the show for the first time as well. And coming up next with Jake Hari and Terry uh, McBride, you got the MLB Strategy Show. So uh, don't go anywhere. You know where to be all day, right here at youtube.com slash awesome-o. Ale, right, Ali, uh, Adam, we've got LeBron and Anthony Davis. As far as pricing goes, they are the two highest priced options on this slate. And then you've got Nikola Jokic. How are we approaching the one-two punch here for the Lakers?
0: Yeah, I think pretty much, you know, the, the same way that we have been, you have a little bit higher price tag on LeBron coming in at 12K on DraftKings compared to 11.6 for uh, for Davis. Jokic is at 11K. So, I mean, I think all three of the guys are are really good plays and a lot will come down to, to how ownership shakes out before lock. But I think if we're ignoring ownership, Davis is where I would start just because he's a little bit cheaper than LeBron, but he's also on the Lakers. So that to me, gives him a little bit of an edge over Jokic. Uh, so I would I, I think it's Davis one, and then um, kind of the rest depends on, on the way your lineup looks. Like the $1,000 savings between LeBron and Jokic, I think kind of favors Jokic.
1: So we do have ownership projections. We have player projections, all of that up on the site at awesome.com. Anthony Davis is getting around 71% ownership, 17% in the captain spot, 65 for LeBron, 14 in the captain spot. I, I was curious, right? So I just did an unadulterated crunch to see where everybody showed up. And uh, Anthony Davis, I got it. Uh, I I got Anthony Davis and LeBron James at almost identical exposures, which uh, do you think that is just one of the ways to go about this, where there isn't much to differentiate them and you kind of just have to take, if you're playing one lineup, it's almost a guessing game. and, And if you're not playing one lineup, just try and get pretty even exposure. Or are you taking maybe a little bit of a different approach there? Yeah, I think that's
0: pretty much the way to go, especially with ownership, how it is right now. It, it it changes some if, you know, right now, like you said, Davis 71%, LeBron 65 that's basically the same thing. It, yeah. If it turns into like 80% Davis, 60% LeBron, or 55% LeBron, whatever, then it, it starts to become a little bit more interesting. But the the thing you have to keep in mind too is that one of them might have a little bit higher median projection than the other, but the range of outcomes is nearly identical. Their minutes range of outcomes is about the same their production range of outcomes is about the same so really neither one should be much higher on than the other so um if the ownership holds how it is then yeah you're just kind of using them both and be, because you you just can't say in any one game you know who's going to be the the better play but if one of them does start to kind of increase ownership at the expense of the other then you can pretty quickly start to just flip the the ownership because of the range of outcomes being the same
1: Happy to have you guys with us, by the way. If I didn't mention it at the top of the show, uh, hit that thumbs up if you haven't done so yet as well. If you're not subscribed, haven't hit the notification bell, no better place to be, man. Uh, Okay, so once we get past LeBron and Anthony Davis, it starts getting a little bit more interesting, right? You got Danny Green, whose minutes are are, are pretty much uh, uncertain at this point. There are times where he'll get a little bit more run, but ultimately... I don't know. What are you giving him? 28, 30 minutes today. Uh Javel McGee's starting games. We've seen this more times than we can count. He gets a rotation in the first, a rotation in the third, uh, and then that'll do it for him. Just looking over the the, the rotation and the minutes from last game, KCP got 31 and a half minutes, and um Danny Green got 28. And yeah. then Davis, Davis and LeBron, uh, Davis and LeBron both played 39 and, and 37 respectively, but coming off the bench and feel free to take this, whichever way you'd like Rondo only 21 minutes in that game where Alex Caruso ended up playing almost 30 minutes. So a lot of, a lot of decent run off the bench. Now, to be fair, it was only a 10 man rotation, but the bench players, unlike a Nick nurse coach team uh, or some of the other squads we've seen that just go very, very shallow with co- condensed rotations, they are getting a decent amount of run uh, each day
0: yeah and I think with Rondo and Caruso it, it could just be sort of a hot hand situation like if Rondo comes out and plays like it's 2008 he's not coming off the floor I don't think right. um if he comes out and plays like it's this year and he's Ray on Rondo that's barely in the NBA anymore then yeah, I'm expecting you know 20 to 22 minutes Caruso I think is like the more consistent player but obviously his up his his ceiling performances just aren't the same as Rondo's so um I, I would you know if I'm making an even money bet. I would bet Caruso plays more minutes than Rondo, but uh, Rondo, if he's playing well, I think gets gets those minutes. So um, ultimately it comes down to, to ownership. Again, you know, someone like Rondo, if he's getting a lot of ownership and right now, we have him at only 5%. Um, If he's getting a lot of ownership, it's the kind of guy that you can pivot away from because his median range of out, his median projection is not that great for his salary. But with low ownership on a one game slate, the range of outcomes is wide enough where I do start to get interest there. Because if you do get 2008 Rondo for a game and he plays 26 minutes instead of 20, that's a really nice guy to have at 5% in your line.
1: So let's drill down on this a little bit more. You mentioned the ownership. Uh, you, you mentioned just the ceiling overall on Rondo is higher. We know that if one of these guys is going to have a monster game, it is going to be Rondo. But he's also priced for that. He's seven thousand dollars on DraftKings. Alex Caruso is thirty six hundred dollars, so he is half the price almost of Rajan Rondo. That gap in in salary is pretty insane, which is going to almost certainly create a whole lot more ownership going to Caruso as we see at 45% than Rondo. So on, I don't know, on one hand, uh, Adam, it's like, all right, well, how do you pay that much for Rondo? You have to go to Caruso. On the other hand, that's got to be what everybody's thinking this morning.
0: Yeah. It's a pretty crazy pricing disparity considering their, their, projected minutes one thing that you know at least the first thought for me is that because of how cheap caruso is like normally i wouldn't want rondo and caruso together because of how cheap caruso is i think you can play them together like caruso if he gets 20 to 22 minutes can still be fine at 3600 um so it it kind of Remind for anyone who played the the NFL showdown slate last night. It kind of reminds me of the Kamara and Latavius Murray situation, where Murray was so cheap you could just play them together because they they were going to get enough usage um, both that that they could pay off their salaries. So I think it's kind of the same thing here. Um, I, I wouldn't mind playing Rondo and Crusoe together if I'm playing like one of them at captain for some reason. I wouldn't want them together, but I think that because of how cheap Crusoe is, uh, it's okay to have them both.
1: What about the rest of this team? From Kyle Kuzma to Danny green, you know i- i I hate playing Danny Green, but once in a while he will pop off. It's very few and far between, but let me let me credit Danny Green, I think he had one twenty plus draft King point game through the first um I don't know how many games they play around one five uh and then five against Houston, I think it was yeah i I believe. Through his first nine or eight games, he had one twenty fantasy point game. He's now gone, and granted, this is the, the the bar is low for Danny Green, but he has now posted twenty plus DraftKings points, twenty two plus DraftKings points in four straight games. Uh, it's just not something I can necessarily hang my hat on, Adam, because he's got six, he's got uh, uh, eight stocks over that span, and essentially what you're hoping for for Danny Green is that he hits four of his six shots, hopefully all of them are threes, and then stumbles into a couple rebounds, maybe a steal and a block. Like, that's really what you're hoping for from him. It, it, you're, you're you're never going to get your 40 fantasy point game from him, but maybe 25 is enough.
0: Yeah, and he's, he's someone that a lot of it just kind of comes down to the rest of your lineup. You're never, like, if, if your lineup consists of six people, you're never getting to Danny Green before you have at least four in your lineup. Um, it, it kind of is just like whatever fits. And that that ultimately comes down to salary and, and ownership. You have Green at 4,600. You have his clone on Denver, Gary Harris at 5,600. And then you have his clone on the Lakers, KCP at 4,800. So it, it kind of is just like whichever of those guys fits into your lineup and then factoring in ownership. Uh, Green's a little bit higher owned than both Harris and KCP. I think that the the gap between him and KCP is particularly interesting because there's only a $200 price difference. KCP normally, I think will play a couple more minutes than green and they have very, very similar roles on this team. So I do prefer just whichever is cheap. It is less um, owned between KCP and and green.
1: So let's close it out with the rest of the Lakers. We talked LeBron, we talked Davis Rondo and you know, chat right now saying fading Rondo just like I did last game. I don't think any of us w- are are advocating that Rondo is a great play, but it's kind of our job to to point out spots that are extremely low owned. And on a single game showdown slate, somebody like Rondo coming in right now with the third lowest ownership of anyone that's expected to get any minutes. You know, they're they're. There's some intrigue there because maybe he does pop off. Adam, like you said, if he's playing really well, Frank Vogel's not gonna take him off the floor.
0: Right. Yeah. Oh. Ch- chat chat sinking to a to a uh, new low now, talking about uh fading someone that 95% of the field is not rostered.
1: That's kind of the thing, yeah. <laughs> right. Like in if if you and I were having a cash game conversation, Rondo wouldn't enter it. Right.
0: And, and yeah, I'm certainly not advocating for saying like, oh man, Rondo's how you win this slate. Like, let me get more rage on Rondo. It's just that there's, you know, what, there, I mean, there's two teams playing. There's like seven or eight guys on each team that are, are viable, like as far as minutes go. If one of them is 5% owned and he has the, the upside that Rondo has, it's at least worth considering because it's so difficult to to really – differentiate lineups on a one game slate without using some like just dumpster fire player that basically needs an injury ahead of him um so so that's where you know my, like michael porter on the other side is the exact same thing as, as rondo basically
1: for sure and rondo could play rondo could play 23 minutes and have 40 drafting points it's not what i expect to happen right i'm not saying it's going to happen but he is very capable of still having that game uh is it unlikely yeah it, it, it in terms of like the likelihood that that happens, it's very low, but it's also possible that Rondo plays 24 minutes and has 31 or 32 fantasy points and ends up being in the optimal. We'll see. Right. It's, um, it's,
0: it's it's just one of those spots where you're playing this slate once, the chances of Rondo being someone you want in your lineup are very low. But if you were to play this slate a thousand times, Rondo is probably, probably puts up enough big games where you would want him in there. And that's how you have to approach DFS. It's, you know, you're, you're going to lose most slates regardless of what you do. So it's putting yourself in a position to actually win some of them and, uh, getting someone like Rondo with low ownership is kind of how you do that.
1: That's right. Uh, let's round it out. Marcus or Markeith Morris, Dwight Howard. I I know these guys are not getting considerable run, but uh, on a single game slate like you just said, where there's only a handful of guys on each side capable of doing anything. Uh, make sure we get everybody. JaVale McGee probably not going to play a ton of minutes. Is it possible that JaVale McGee plays 12 minutes and has 20 fantasy points? Yeah, he's done it before. So, super low usage guy, but he can clean up around the rim. Good rebounder. Uh and as a shot blocker, he he he's he's gone too long without that that game where he blocks four shots in the first five minutes, which we've seen him done on numerous occasions. So uh go ahead and just close out the the Lakers side, Adam.
0: Yeah, pretty tough with the pricing on the centers right now. I mean, 2200 for McGee obviously is really cheap, but you you basically know what you're getting there as far as minutes go. You know, he's playing that rotation to start each half, and, and that's about it. So uh, really tough to, to get to him, even at that salary. Um, his ownership is coming in at 36% as well, so that makes it even less appealing. It's kind of the opposite of what we're talking about, like with Rondo, because now you're getting McGee where his median projection is something you don't want in your lineup. But a third of the field is going to roster him. So even if you do get lucky and he he plays better than expected, you're you're not getting a huge edge on the field because a third of the, the field has him. So uh, pretty tough to get there, I think. Dwight Howard, you know, only played 13 minutes last game. He basically is playing in the second and fourth quarter when Jokic subs back in he's 4,200 though. So it's really, really tough to, to get there. Basically you would need him to get up to like 17 or 18 minutes, probably, you know, in, in some, some way, but even he's getting 22% ownership. So not, not too excited about either of the centers.
1: Aaron asks uh, a valid question. Why aren't they? um, I wish they would do the, the two games. Why aren't they doing the, the both games combined? The reason for that is twofold. One the showdown slate has a million dollar prize pool, 200k to first. The two game slate doesn't have much at all. But if we're, if you're talking both games, the difference is we we can't break them down the same way. Like Adam, what I mean by this is we can talk about players, but then the conversation surrounding Rondo, if this becomes a two game slate, is entirely different than when it's a one game slate. So while the while the players have while the player's performance and or and probability that they perform a certain way doesn't change, the way that you construct a lineup from a showdown slate to a two-game slate and how valuable those guys are changes dramatically.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, it really comes down to DFS not being about, like, players and, and more about roster construction and, and strategy. And the strategy is just totally different if you're talking about a, a two-game slate. So it essentially would end up being, like, Two shows within a show, and everything just kind of ends up getting lost.
1: Yeah, it just really doesn't work. I've trust me, I've considered it, but uh, I figured it's best that we pay the, pay most attention to to the one the one game, uh, so we can really hammer into that and and make it work. So,
0: um, as as a general rule, though, if if there is someone like Rondo, for instance, where our entire Justification for why you may roster him is that he's really low owned on the one game slate. It's probably not someone that you're looking at much on the two game slate.
1: Exactly, and and that's what I'm saying. I, everything kind of changes, so you know, it's better to do it this way. By the way, guys, the express package that we have at awesomeo.com, we felt that it was a little bit light, uh, maybe not enough included. So we decided to do something really awesome. First of all, it's three dollars and ninety five cents a week, but we've decided to include. All NFL showdown content, the ownership, the projections, the rankings, all of that stuff uh for for good. So the $395 a week that had the rankings and some other great stuff now is going to include all of the NFL showdown stuff. These showdown contests are massive. Uh and and, and there there are ways to profit playing showdown sites for sure. So check that out. Uh if you haven't done so yet, maybe you're strapped for cash. Four dollars, less than four dollars a week we'll get you all of the showdown content uh, on top of everything else that we have in the package. So check that out. Otherwise uh, everything else at awesome.com slash joint. If you want to get into every sport, do, do the, uh, the all access weekly, I would recommend the monthly better bang for your buck from football to basketball, to hockey, to golf, to NASCAR, to MMA, to esports, everything. Uh, The best projections out there, best ownership out there created and used by the number one DFS player in the world, Alex Baker. So Check out the premium Slack chat as well. When you do come, say what's up. It's a really cool community there, talking DFS and sports betting all day long. Uh, come join that Awesomeo family. awesomeo.com slash join. And again, that uh, that uh, the Express package at three ninety five a week, all showdown content for NFL included for the rest of the year. So you're you're getting awesome value on something like that, even just for the showdown slates. All right, let's talk Denver. By the way, I don't think I mentioned it. Uh, before we got started the game, pointing out the odds and the and the spread here. The Lakers are six and a half point favorites, 213 and a half total. So we'll go to the Nuggets getting six and a half points, 103 and a half implied total here for Denver. And I think we have to start with Nikola Jokic. So Adam, he got in foul trouble in game one. It, it plagued them quite a bit, only played 25 minutes. The bench hung together for as long as they could and then everything deteriorated. But... I I do imagine, even though he hasn't shot poorly, that the Lakers can make life a lot more difficult in the paint and around the basket uh, than, than the L.A. Clippers could. Because Nikola Jokic was capable of absolutely dismantling them based on that one huge weakness they have in interior defense.
0: Yeah, and um, he he has been productive on a per minute basis throughout right. the the two games so far. One point four DraftKings points per minute, thirty three percent usage rate, thirty two and a half percent assist percentage. So the the production's been there for him. It's just a matter of you know game one he was able to step on the floor.
1: So how are you approaching somebody like Nikola Jokic? They're they're in an O two hole. They're facing a Lakers team that has looked pretty dominant throughout the postseason outside of a couple of game one performances where they slipped to Portland and Houston. Uh, and, and Jokic, who was the reason, on top of many other things, but the primary reason that they came back from a 3-1 deficit against the Clippers was because he went off for a triple-double through three quarters, and the game prior to that dropped 34-14-7. and He's just had some really big games in clutch spots. Can he do it again tonight?
0: Yeah, I think he kind of has to. And I mean, the, the good thing is that he's obviously going to get every opportunity to do it. The only guy really on, on Denver that could potentially take it, t- you know, take opportunities away is Jamal Murray. But I, I think it, pretty clearly is going to run through Jokic. You've seen that so far. And, and in the series, uh, Murray with about a 26% usage rate to to Jokic is 33%. I, I expect that that continues to, to be the case. You know, he's a phenomenal Jokic, phenomenal passer, obviously a good scorer. Like he does everything out there. There's no reason for it not to run through him. The, the interesting thing to me is the ownership projections right now make it really, really tough because you have Jokic as the highest owned player on DraftKings at 83%, which is, is fine. You know, it's, one of the best plays on the slate. Obviously it's the best play from Denver and all that. So I think he should be in in almost every lineup, but the thing that is tough too, is that the natural pivot away from him would be to go to Jamal Murray and hope that it's a game. Murray takes over Murray comes in at 82% of them. So I think from a leverage standpoint, there's not a whole lot I think you can do with Denver just because the, the field is already there on both of their primary scorers. How
1: about Jamal Murray? Um, Hot and cold postseason, but some really, really big games in big spots. Him and Jokic, both of them, credit how good they've been. Uh, They've shined when they've needed to. Like you said, Jokic is going to need to today. I don't know if they will. Um, Last game, and I think you mentioned this at the top of the show, feels like it was kind of deflating for them. But, hell, I think I've said that a couple times about the Nuggets, and they just keep coming. Jamal Murray played 44 minutes. Last game, 44 minutes in a non-overtime game. So you know that the opportunity is going to be there. He took a one-minute break in the first, one-minute break in the second, or sorry, two minutes, one and a half in the first, one and a half in the second, and then like one minute in the third. That's all he did. I don't see any way Michael Malone, unless this game blows out terribly, doesn't run Jamal Murray for another 42 to 44 minutes. Just huge playing time.
0: Yeah, there's really no way around it. And you've seen that for most of the postseason, too, you know, that he's playing huge minutes. So while the usage is down compared to, to Jokic and, you know, you're not seeing the same usage for Murray that you were getting in that Utah series where they were basically just letting him take wide open shots out of the pick and roll. Um, he's still going to be the second highest usage guy on this team. He's playing huge minutes. His salary is affordable, getting tons of ownership. So it's not like you're getting a leg up on the field by going there, but based on the minutes played and and also just kind of the price range he's at, because the, the interesting thing about both of these teams and then playing each other is that there's no real outside of Murray. There's no real like mid range star on either team. You're paying up for LeBron and Davis or you're paying up for Jokic. So it kind of leaves a void in that mid range, like roster construction spot where it, you, you just go to Jamal Murray because there's nothing else there. So um, I think he's valuable in that regard. You know, I'm, I'm not expecting him to break the slate, but he'll play enough minutes that he should be a good, good play at his salary.
1: What about Michael Porter? Uh, we talked, Rondo, you already kind of brought this up in the Lakers section or the Lakers segment when we discussed them, but Michael Porter is right. is currently projected for the lowest ownership of anyone on the entire slate 3.1%, 0.1% in the captain spot. That makes perfect sense. But like Rondo, he's also priced up a little bit and his minutes have been very erratic. He went from 29 in game one to 20 in game two and hell in game, uh, game seven against the Clippers. He went for 15 minutes, been all over the place. Uh, and matter of fact, in game one against the Lakers, He he had a couple shots late when it didn't matter, but he had a pretty awful game. Still finished with 35 and a half fantasy points, right? Like terribly inefficient, did not look good defensively, couldn't get the ball in the basket on opportunities right around the rim. And here he is still finishing with 35 and a half. I can't help but think that, you know, if he does play well, if he does get 28, 29 minutes like he did in game one, that Porter's, Porter's ownership might be a little bit low on a single game slate. He's basically the Rajon Rondo of
0: the nuggets. I think right. um, the one thing that makes him a little bit different is that I think it's harder for him to get those minutes. Um, game one, you know, he played the, the entire fourth quarter in a 27 point game or, or whatever it was. Um, but... I think that it's harder for him to get those minutes because of defense and because Malone's made it pretty clear that he's not really looking to get Porter those minutes in competitive games. Whereas if Rondo is playing well, he's just staying on the floor. Um, But it's basically the same thing. You're just talking about a player that has Porter's ceiling at at really low ownership on a one game slate that naturally is going to give him uh, some merit. So, you know, I don't, I I feel pretty similarly to it about Rondo. It's a really low percentage play, but it does have huge payoff potential.
1: Is is there any, is there any notion to who you think fits best in a captain spot? Uh, obviously if you're playing 150 lineups, that's not a conversation that we want to have, but it's such a tough call with Jokic, Murray, Davis, LeBron, maybe some cheaper guys, but that gets a little bit scary. Uh, have you given any thought to that?
0: I, I think it really, I mean, cause ideally you're getting one of Jokic, Davis and LeBron, if you can. Um, and I think it, I think kind of because of what I was talking about with the not having a mid-range star in this series outside of of Murray, I think that it's probably ideal. It's like the opposite of the Boston and and Miami series. Um, I I think you want to get one of the stars in at captain and then just mix and match or or take shots on the really questionable value plays here because the alternative is basically to roster a value play at captain and and be stuck. Um, You know, the opposite being the Boston series where there's so many You know, uh, Kemba Walker type guys that you can play captain, and you don't have to play any of the the really cheap value guys. So I I think it really comes down to the ownership between the stars. Right now, you have less ownership going to to James and Davis than going to Murray and Jokic. So I would prefer them if I can get there. But um, I I think you just you need one of the main four guys. I would think.
1: Yeah, I was just uh, toying around with something now with Jokic in the captain spot, Davis at utility, uh, seeing what's going to be probably the the more popular lineup. And then you're going to get Caruso and, and, and Danny Green and those type of guys in there. It's just going to happen. Uh, as a matter of fact, I crunched unadulterated lineups, right? With just awesome projections to see what the optimal would be. And it is, hold on, let me sort this. It is Anthony Davis. Oh, that can't be that can't be right. Davis, Craig, Morris, Caruso, Jokic, LeBron. Maybe. Did you hear that? Anthony Davis, Torrey Craig, Monty Morris, Alex Caruso, Nikola Jokic, and LeBron. So that's all three of the stars in there. Do you think you're gonna? Do you think we'll see a lot of that today? Just jamming all three of them in?
0: Probably because it's like, what's the alternative? It, it, it's just it, it's such we- a weird game because like the alternative you're not going to feel good about getting three stars in there and then what you have to roster elsewhere. But the alternative is basically you drop off of a star and like, congratulations, you get to upgrade from Monte Morris to KCP. Like,
1: That's a good win. point. That's you know, a really so good point. Yeah. You're, you're not, you're not upgrading enough to make a substantial difference from those cheaper players. That's a really good point.
0: Right. Yeah. And that's, it's just the exact opposite of like, I did the show with EMAC before the Boston and Miami game the other day, and he kept asking me about value guys. And I kept basically just ignoring him. because so I was like, just, I don't, I don't want to play any of them. Like you don't uh-huh. need to. Um, but it's the exact opposite here because you're not upgrading from, uh, you know, PJ Dozier to Marcus smart, you're upgrading to KCP. And then so, um, and, and, you know, losing out on one of the stars. So uh, I think that stars and scrubs is a lot more appealing in this, in this game, just because there's not that mid range of stars.
1: You're right. Yeah, I'm looking at it now. If you get up from Mark uh, Monty Morris to KCP, you're going from like, hopefully, you're going for 15 to maybe 17 fantasy points in a normal situations. Right. There's just there's not much there. Okay, so that that's that's a good way to look at this. Maybe it is just go flat out all three, make it happen. Or I wouldn't sleep on Jamal Murray either. So he not obviously not that anybody is, but I I kind of thought that. If There were three studs, the most popular would be Jokic, Davis, and LeBron. But the fact that Murray is going to be playing that many minutes, um, you know, I think, I think Murray's definitely the most volatile of the four, though. Adam, even yeah, and his
0: salary does. just puts him in a range where you're going to make like he, he's going to be really useful because you can get those Jokic, LeBron, Murray lineups, and you know, you can make that upgrade from a bench guy to like a KCP or whatever. So, um, yeah, I think that having three of of those main four guys is probably going to be a a
1: popular approach. This one lineup is insane. It was JaVale McGee, a captain, and then Murray, Jokic, Davis, and LeBron, all of the utility. (laughs) So I don't know what to think, but there's going to be a lot of ways to do things today for sure. And uh, getting three of those guys seems like the play right now. And what Adam said, I think, is supremely important. How much are you really benefiting from going up to more from Morris to KCP or to Danny Green? That's probably when you're building lineups. The question that you want to ask yourself. All right, let's close it out here, man. Uh, feel free. Let's round out the let's round out the rest of this Nuggets team. We got to Jokic, we got to um, we got to Murray. We talked about Michael Porter Jr. Do you want to talk about these secondary and kind of tertiary guys? If you want to run through the rest of them, I want to talk about PJ Dozier. Yeah, let's do it.
0: He's so, so roster again is obviously risky. There's no guarantee he he plays Um, in game one. He played the fourth quarter. Basically he finished with 12 minutes. They were all fourth quarter blowout run, but game two, he didn't play at all in the first half. He subbed in with two minutes to go in the third quarter, played the entire fourth, finished at 14 minutes. He played well though. They left him in down the stretch in a competitive game. Um, he, He was playing over Gary Harris in that closing lineup. And after the game, Pretty much the entire Denver team, from Malone to several of the players, we were just raving about PJ Dozier. So, in a series where Denver has nothing to lose and they they need to do something to you know to to steal a game at least, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Dozier is actually in the rotation. Now, I, I don't know who you know he gets those minutes over. You know, in in uh, the second half last game, Morris only played three minutes. You know, maybe Dozier plays over him. I don't know if maybe he plays over Craig, but I wouldn't be surprised at all if Dozier. Gets, you know, 12 to 16 minutes or something like that. Here, he's only 1400 on DraftKings. He's projected for the third lowest ownership on the slate right now. Sorry, fourth lowest, um, fourth lowest ownership on the slate right now. But you compare him to people in that salary range, you know, Plumley is, is 2600, McGee's 2200. You know that those guys are not playing like McGee's playing his 11 minutes, Plumley's playing whatever 48 minus Jokic is. I think that. If the ownership holds how it is and you're getting 11 or 12% on Dozier compared to 36% on McGee, I, I want to take some shots at P.J. Dozier at that salary.
1: Okay. Why not, right? Makes sense to me. Yeah, I mean, the worst, the worst is, you know,
0: obviously you get a zero for 1400 whereas other people are getting an eight for 2600 It's not the end
1: of the world. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, and uh, he, is, he is projected to get a little bit of ownership, so he's not going entirely overlooked. But no, I think that's a good call. Look, you got to you got to unturn every stone here. It's 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 really important that we're getting everybody. So Millsap and Grant both towards the bottom. uh, Mason Plumlee towards the bottom of ownership. Monty Morris, like Monty Morris, is one where I I don't really have any issues getting to him at all because he can, in limited opportunity and limited playing time, give you good enough numbers. Like he could play fifteen minutes and still give you say 17 fantasy points. That would probably be enough on a day like today. I don't anticipate him getting additional run like he did in game one when Murray was sidelined. But uh, yeah, any interest in the rest of those guys? I know they haven't played particularly well.
0: In interest would probably be putting it too strongly. Um, You need to fill out a lineup so you'll get to some of the other Denver guys, but uh, the the pricing, not really that appealing. I mean, Jeremy Grant, at sixty six hundred, Harris is more expensive than KCP or Green, who are the same. Basically, uh, it's nothing I'm really prioritizing from from Denver, other than getting to Jokic and Murray. And then, if ownership holds how it is, I'll be putting I, I'll be leaning heavily on Dozier and hoping for the best.
1: Okay, so let, let, let's let's do this. As it stands, as we close this show out, who are Three players that you think, and and if you want two of them to be studs, three of them to be studs, that's fine. But what would you begin building a lineup with if you're only playing a, a single or three max? Because not everyone that watches is playing 150 lineups.
0: Right. Um, With the caveat that my goal is to win that tournament and not to double my money. Um Correct. I'd be starting with either Davis, LeBron, so, some combination of Davis, LeBron, Jokic, two of the three. And then Dozier, and then seeing where it goes from there.
1: Okay. Important caveat there. Yeah, if your if you, if your goal is to double up every time and hopefully not go broke by doubling up, which will just never happen. It doesn't work like that. Not anymore. Used to. You remember when doubling up was always uh, was always actually doubling up in a tournament? Like they'd pay out twenty percent of the field, and if you finished in that twentieth percentile, you still doubled up your your entry fee.
0: Even better than that. If you played like three lineups and you cashed them all, you like tripled up or quadrupled up without having to come in like third place. It was great.
1: Yeah. Now, if you play 10 lineups, you need to cash seven of them just to break even. <laughs>
0: right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It used to be a lot. You used to be able to make money a lot more consistently in tournaments. Now you kind of just bleed money for a month and then you win one in your head.
1: Right. That It's so much stiff. You cashing half of your lineups used to be like a actually pretty profitable day not yeah. the case anymore.
0: Yeah. You used to two X two two to three X like consistently. Now you get like 1.4 X and you're like, that's a good day.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not fun, but here we are. And uh, you know, that's, but, but here's the thing. That's why you have to change your approach. That's why we're talking about Rondo and Porter at five and 4%, right? That's why you're talking about Dozier who might not even play that. That's why you're doing that because you don't have, you're not afforded the same luxury of just running out the chalkiest lineup anymore and hoping it does well. It's literally never going to happen.
0: Yeah, and, and I mean, that's not to say that, you know, because I, I tweeted something about it recently. Like, it's not to say min caches aren't valuable because they are. Like, if you're if you're truly taking that approach that people talk about, where like you're either trying to get first or, or last, you're going to go broke really, really quick. You still need the min cache lineups, but um, y- you should be taking on a little bit more risk than you used to, just because everything's so top heavy you know?
1: Right. Uh, I guess that'll do it. I think that's it. Yeah. We got about 38 minutes on a single game. And for those of you uh, that are still tuning in to watch NBA slates with these showdowns, we love you. We appreciate you hit that thumbs up. If you haven't done so yet, it does help us combat that YouTube algorithm, get this out to more people so we can keep doing free content uh, and keep doing what all of us love here on the channel. Uh, We'll be with you later for NBA uh, Live Before Log, I think, Adam, you're on it, right?
0: 8-15? Yeah, yeah, 8-15 with Josh. Ooh.
1: Stick around. Coming up at 10 a.m. Eastern time, it's Jake and Terry with MLB Strategy Show. And then I'll be back with Sal Vetri and Ben Ross breaking everything down. Week three of the NFL season is on the way. We're taking a first look in just a couple of hours. Thanks for hanging out. We'll see you back here soon, guys. Good luck tonight.